the persecuted church. Different statistics are out there, but they say every two minutes, somebody is killed because they are followers of Jesus. Pretty intense, isn't it, out there? I think we should pray for the persecuted church. Lord, we, we read here in your word, Lord, that there will be persecution. And Lord, you were right. It has continued from your day on earth to today. And Lord, it's horrible. So we lift up our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, who are suffering because they are followers of you. Lord, we pray that you will encourage their hearts even now. No matter what it is they are facing. That they will recognize, they will sense that you are with them even as you promised that you would be with them. Lord, that you would help them, you would fortify them to keep their face fixed upon you. That they would remain faithful no matter what is happening to them. And Lord, you will use their circumstances for your glory, whatever that may look like. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you redeem horrendousness. When it is dark, your light shines all the brighter. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm not going to dwell on the persecuted church this morning, but I wanted to show that video and I wanted us to start this way as a backdrop for this passage as we look at it. We don't face this kind of persecution here. And the reality is, even as was said at the beginning of that video, it's hard to imagine. It's good to be reminded that we have brothers and sisters around the world who are in fact doing, encountering, enduring the very things that Jesus said would happen. As we read these horrific things even that Jesus said would happen, we look at that and go, well, wow, that's not happening to us. But it is happening to others, (laughs) and most likely it will be happening in our society, right? We recognize the coming day. It's already begun, even in our own culture here in the U.S., as our culture seems to be increasingly in speed, running away from God, becoming more opposed to God and his followers. That seems to be happening. Not seems, it is. It's happening. So, Jesus begins this passage. Last week we talked about the commissioning that he has given us. 
And then he says, behold. Pastor Aaron expanded on that word behold a while back. Really, it means listen up. Listen up. Check this out. You guys stop what you're doing and listen to what I'm going to tell you. You're going to face persecution. You will suffer persecution. It's not, not if. You will suffer persecution. It's guaranteed. It's a fact of our commission as followers of Christ. In fact, by the way, in your notes, number one is persecution. Okay? Persecution. Second Timothy 3.12. In your notes, I think it says 2.12. It's 3.12. In 2 Timothy 3.12, we read, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. (laughs) This is not saying, hey, if you want to be a hero of the faith, you want to go out and do great and mighty things in the name of Jesus. No, it's not what it says. It says, if you want to live a godly life, you want to mind your own business and go about your daily life, living your life unto the Lord, you will suffer persecution. I think we could turn it around and go, if you do not want to suffer persecution, then do not live a godly life. That's what it seems, pretty clear, black and white. If you want to pursue Jesus in your life, then you will suffer persecution. Fact of life for us. In John 15, 18 to 21, here's what we read. Jesus saying, if the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Ouch. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, and this is the word that we are studying here this morning, back in Matthew. A servant is not greater than his master. And he's talking about himself here. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. In other words, they'll take everything you say and hold it against you. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. That's why they do it, is what Jesus is saying. So all of this to say that persecution is a guarantee. We should never be caught by surprise if we are persecuted. And I know that in our own country here, we have our rights and, it's a, and we have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and all those kinds of things in our Constitution, and all of us in here have grown up with that. And so for somebody to persecute me for my belief, my being a follower of Christ, is wrong. <laughs> it's legally wrong. It's all changing, isn't it? It is so all changing. 
And Jesus said, it's going to happen. You all, I don't care what your government says or how it was set up, you are going to suffer persecution. So what is persecution? Okay, simply said, the definition of persecution, to cause to suffer because of belief. That's what Webster's Dictionary says. To cause to suffer because of belief. Sounds like bullying, doesn't it? It is. It's bullying. We have anti-bullying campaigns. But not about bullying Christians. We're going to face that. Maybe we already have faced that. It means in any way whatever to be harassed, troubled, molested, mistreated because of our belief. That's what it is. Persecution is persecution, no matter what level of persecution that it is. We saw a video that reminds us of extreme persecution. Jesus talks about extreme persecution, where a child turns in his or her parent and vice versa and so forth. That's happening. It's happening in China. There are spies in the land, and they're watching all the time. And they, people get turned in, and so that is happening. But maybe that's not the kind of persecution that we encounter, that you encounter. What kind of persecution might we encounter? We might be rejected. Is that persecution? We're being rejected? Maybe. Laughed at? That's persecution. Being laughed at for your faith? Scoffed at? Maybe marginalized, oh, that person's a Christian. You, you, yeah, whatever with you. Labeled a Christian, a religious nut, oh, you're weak, that God stuff is just a crutch, all of those kind of things. And furthermore, there's no age on this. There's no age limit. You begin to encounter persecution when you are an adult, 18 or 21 or whatever it is. Nope. There is no age specified. Children are persecuted even. They're made fun of. We prayed for our high school students who uh, are doing first priority at the high school, and we prayed for that event as they were going to share the gospel and so forth. Do you know that they experienced persecution? They were scoffed at. They were laughed at. They were made fun of. You, our own high schoolers, our middle schoolers, when they go and do see with the pole, when they want to stand for their faith in school, in sports, They're being persecuted. There is no age, and it is happening. It is happening. I I do not want us for a second to go, oh, well, we're really not being persecuted that bad because look at what we just saw. Here's the thing. The reality is this is the persecution we deal with. This is it. This is what we deal with. And so let's talk about that. Let's not minimize it. I will never forget a number of years ago, Sue's back was really bad. She could not walk. She was in bed. She was going to undergo surgery. It was quite a time in our life. It was intense. And one of my dear friends, co-workers, um, this is in Winry, Missouri with New Tribes Mission, his grown son, who lived uh, five hours away, suffered a... Um, He had an epileptic seizure. They found a brain tumor. They didn't know if he was going to live or die. That's what he was dealing with. And I go, man, Bing. Bing's his name. Bing. Man, I think what I'm going through, but what you're going through, he goes, don't minimize what you are going through. I love that. And I've never forgotten that. 
We are not here to minimize our suffering, our persecution. We face it. And it is our reality, given our culture, it's what we live with. So let's talk about that. So what do we do with this? What does Jesus say about facing persecution? This first verse is quite the verse that we're going to look at in in verse 15, or 16, excuse me. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's, he's going right to the animal kingdom. It's kind of fun. We're going to take characteristics of animals and we're going to talk about that with humans. I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. What are sheep like? This is us. Jesus said, This is you. You're helpless. Sheep are innocent. They have a flocking instinct. There is safety in numbers. They stick together. The following instinct is strong in sheep. This is why one shepherd is able to care for a whole flock. They follow the shepherd. In fact, really, sheep desperately depend upon a shepherd for their survival. Because they're really not smart enough, maybe, to care for themselves. They're just too helpless. And Jesus says, that's us. We are sheep. Going among the wolves. What are wolves like? We know wolves to be in all the the bad movies and stories about the big bad wolf. They're ravenous. They destroy. They kill. They are cunning. They go after the stragglers. They isolate individuals from the flock in order to get them and so forth. And Jesus says, I'm sending you innocent, helpless sheep among these bad wolves. It's like, okay, this is not even a fair playing field. It's not even close. I'm sending you out, and by all appearances, if you look at this, face value, sheep have no chance. They're going to be torn and ripped apart and killed. There is no chance. But we know more than that about this scenario where Jesus, I'm with you. You have the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. That's like, send me out on the basketball court with a bunch of players that are far better than I am, but give me one player like LeBron James or Michael Jordan back in the day. It's kind of like that. We'll get to that in a minute. He goes on to say, but be wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. If you go back to the very first verse in Genesis 3, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than all the beasts of the field. Wisest, trickiest, smartest, intelligent, prudent, shrewd. Jesus says, be that. that." Even though you're sheep, you can be really smart in how you operate. In that video, it made, uh, they made mention of the Christians that would change the places where they would meet. That's what Jesus is talking about. Be wise. Be smart. We'll talk about more than in a moment here. Innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. The word innocent in Greek is akirios. 
Speaking of the mind, it means without a mixture of evil, free from guile, innocent, simple, harmless. King James Version has the word harmless for this word. Harmless as doves. I think it means with integrity. As you are a follower of Christ, live a godly life with integrity unto him. In Philippians 2, Paul says this, and it really sheds light on this concept of being innocent as doves. That you may be blameless, this is Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. As we, as followers of Christ, seek to live a life guided by him through the power of the Holy Spirit, we live lives of integrity, we live lives that are godly, that are honoring the Lord, and it provides a contrast to the living around us. And it's a light. That's what we are called to do. It is very interesting Then the very next verse, we've been talking about animals, be, have these characteristics of these kind of animals and so forth, there's similes and metaphor there. Then he says in verse 17, beware of men. I've told my daughter that her whole life. (laughs) And now she's dating one. Oh, Lord, help us all. And he's a good man. It's kind of fun. Beware of men. The word there is humans. Beware of humans. He's been talking about animals and qualities and characteristics. But now he's saying, beware of humans who are deceivers. The ones that are out to get you, worldly thinking, perspective, are out to get you. They're like the wolves that we already talked about. This word beware means to be on guard, to watch for, be smart. In other words, we're not called just to be, here I am, kill me, uh, torture me. Take me to prison. It's not saying that. He said, be smart. Even we see uh, the disciples or we see Jesus moving from place or Paul moving from place to place, escaping, running, watching out for, and so forth. That's what we're called to do. Be smart. Anticipate. In sports, the best athletes are the ones who anticipate the best. They know what their opponent is going to do. They watch what's going on. This is what I loved about Earl Thomas when he played for the Seahawks. On defense, he'd stay way back in the field there, and he'd kind of watch and survey what was going on. He was quick, but he was smart until he left the Seahawks. It was not a smart move. (laughs) Went to play for the Panthers. I'm sorry, Earl, how that all ended. But... Earl had interceptions like crazy. He made big plays because he could anticipate. He would see what was going on and go, okay, he's throwing the ball over here and he would go and be there before it would happen or whatever. Anticipation, seeing what's gonna happen, being astute. Jesus is saying, be that. Jesus is saying to us, be that. Be wise as serpents. 
Beware of what is going on. Be shrewd like the serpent. You know, many of you in here are doing this already. You've been navigating this. For those of you working in the public sector, whether it's in politics, you're in government, you're in the schools, you're a teacher, a counselor, secretary, whatever the position may be, we know, when I was teaching back in the 80s and early 90s, we could not talk about God, but if a student asked us about God, then we were free to do that. I'm assuming it's still that way. I'm getting nods. It's still that way. But you cannot openly just say, hey, let me tell you about the Lord. I remember feeling, man, these kids, these seventh graders that I was dealing with, there was stuff going on. I go, they need Jesus so bad. Hey, you guys, I've got the answer when they were in anguish. But you don't have that freedom. And if you did, probably lose your job in the medical field. I know one of us in here has been persecuted for praying with patience. It's happening. So how do you navigate that? Jesus is saying, be smart on how you do that. And I will help you. I will help you to know how to navigate that. Increased hostility in our culture. There's probably coming a day when a church like IBC will no longer exist the way it does today. That's probably coming, you all, for different reasons. You know, we talk about, you know, our, our uh, tax exempt status. We talk about this. And we kind of joke about it. It's like, ooh, they're going to take that away. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. And that's a big deal to some. I don't make light of that in any way. Because it is a big deal. But it's coming. Probably, I would say this. There are many of us in here who will stop wanting to gather together because of fear of persecution in our own country. That is probably going to happen. And it's sobering. I remember as a a teacher on the mission field with missionary kids, I remember saying to them, some of you are going to fall away. You're going to walk away from the Lord. You're walking with the Lord right now, but there's a day coming where you're going to make a choice and you're going to walk away from the Lord. I don't wish that upon you. I pray, in fact, that you will stay close to the Lord. And guess what? There are some who have walked away from the Lord. It's sad. Our prayer is that each of us in here, no matter what we face, we stay locked in on Jesus. We stay focused on him through whatever it is he allows us to go through. So what do we do with this? Persecution is a fact we deal with now and it's going to get worse. What do we do with this? And that's really what I want to talk about. Here's where we go with this. Point number three in your notes. If you didn't get point number two, point number two on that blank was just be. Be a sheep among wolves, serpents, innocent of doves, beware of man was E. And now point three, be ready. Be ready. And in parentheses, you could say, equip yourself. Equip yourself. That's what we're going to talk about. What does this passage say? And there are tons of things in the Bible, in Scripture, that tell us about being ready for persecution. We won't go into all of those because we don't have much time. The first one, be not anxious. Be not anxious. 
I've included the verses in your notes so that you can look at those even later. Jesus says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Wow. What a promise. Don't worry about it. Jesus says, you're going to get persecuted, but do not. You're going to be called in front to give an answer for the hope that you have in you. Don't worry about it. You've got the Holy Spirit. He will give you the thing to say. So here's the thing. Have you experienced this? Have you already experienced the Spirit prompting you with what you might say, what you might do, and so forth? And I would say this, if not, somebody coined the the phrase a long time ago, practicing the presence of God. I think becoming sensitive to the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit takes practice. So if you're living your life unto yourself, you're not listening to the Lord. You're really not paying attention to the Lord. So in order for this to happen, what Jesus is promising, you're going along in your life and all of a sudden persecution hits you and you're going, whoa, what do I do? You're not in practice. Lord, what would you have me to say here? My challenge to us is let's be in practice before persecution comes. Let's seek the Lord every day as we go about our life, walking with the Lord, in communion with the Lord, as you're driving, as you're walking, as you're shopping, talking to the Lord. That relationship, that connection is where you're going to hear the Lord speak and prompt you, and in these cases, give you the words to say. So you don't have to be anxious. I get most anxious about anything in my life if I'm not prepared. If I feel like I'm prepared, it's like, okay, Lord, here we go. There's times when you have to do things and you're not prepared, you're going, Lord, help. I'm not prepared. Be prepared. Be not anxious. Be, second one, be persevering. Be persevering. In verse 22, we read, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It is not saying you'll be saved from persecution. In the end, you'll be saved. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, endured and sat at the right hand of the Father. He was saved. We will be saved. In fact, if, if somebody has pointed out, if you study the characters in the Old Testament, when they faced battle and all that kind of stuff, they came out victorious. But in the New Testament, it's different. The heroes all die. Even Jesus himself, the hero, died. Praise God, it didn't end there. But humanly speaking, we read much about martyrs in the New Testament, people who live for Jesus, and he promises you are going to have persecution, maybe unto death. 
But you hang in there is what this means. Hang in there. And I think those words that we read in the parable of the talents at the end where we read the words, well done, good and faithful servant, that good and faithful, that faithful word is the key, being faithful, well done. I don't anticipate hearing well done, good and faithful servant if I haven't done anything, I I haven't been faithful, I've lived life unto myself. Well done, good and faithful servant, indicates to me action. I'm pursuing Christ in my life. Imagine if Christ were only building his church through persecution. Imagine if the only way that Jesus is building his church is through persecution. Well, the fact is, you all, that's what he's doing. They say the fastest growing church on earth is in Iran. In Iran. Under massive Islamic government nastiness. People by the thousands are turning to Jesus. And it's through one-on-one. That's how it's happening. They don't have churches. They're meeting in homes. And it's just one-on-one. And they say... Discipleship begins the moment you begin a conversation with somebody. That's when it happens. So just keep doing what you do. Hang in there. In the end, you saved. God redeems all of it. C, number th- the third one, under how to equip ourselves, be in the word. Be in the word. Be people of the word. In 2 Timothy 3, not 2, as it says in the notes, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, 16 and 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. I love that. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, been in this word. Now, some of you came to Christ later in life, after your childhood. You're going, no, not me. Well, may it not be true of your children if you have them. May we raise our kids knowing Scripture. Because if nothing else, you all, as we talk about persecution in our country, we know it's coming. I think of our children I know you do as well. The best way you can help your children for the coming days of persecution is to raise them in the word. Help them to know the word, to know the Lord through his word. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Number one, the word, we learn about the Lord, we learn about Jesus, salvation comes through that knowledge. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, the discipleship part, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, including enduring persecution. Be people of the word. And I love when Pastor Aaron started this thing of these two-week readings, If you don't know anything about this, you're going, what's that? It's in your bulletin. This is from our bulletin today. 
All right, that's where this is. These have been great. I've been doing this. And I challenge all of us to keep doing this. They are thematic. Uh, this one that we're on right now is Men of the Old Testament. And we've had a number of themes. And by the way, you can access this on the website, on Independent Bible Church's website. It's on there on the resource page. Thanks, Gina and Shelley, for putting there. It's great. Be people of the word. Be consistent in the word. Next one, number 4D. Be together. Be together. Remember, we're sheep. (laughs) Sheep have to stay together. It's when they don't stay together that they get wiped out. And Pastor Aaron's done a good job talking about what church is. Being by yourself is not church. This is church where we come together, where it's in this building or it's at your home. Would you gather together? We need one another desperately. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. There it is, right there. The, the day's coming, a persecution. The end is coming, but persecution is coming. Draw together, fellowship together, be in the word together. Spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Oh, how we need each other. There are many, many scriptures about one anothering, love one another, carry each other's burdens, pray for one another, and on and on, submitting to one another. Boy, if we followed those um, exhortations of Scripture at the highest level, oh, what a force we would be. Because God would be shining out of us and nobody could ignore it, not to our glory, but to His. We're a team, y'all. We're a team. And, And the teams have individuals, but they all have to be bought in. And we have to be bought in as the body of Christ. Next one, number five, or E, be in prayer. In the passage on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. (laughs) There's that idea of persevere again and then praying for all the saints. The persecuted church, praying for one another as we go through circumstances in life, but also just lifting one another up, that we would be strong in the face of persecution, that we would be strong in our walk with the Lord no matter our circumstances, that God would shine his light through each one of us in our daily walks, wherever it may take us. Be in prayer. Six, be focused on Jesus. Be focused on Jesus. In verse 23, and uh, he says, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He's sending these disciples out, now becoming apostles. He's sending them out. And over in chapter 11, the very first verse, it says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. 
I love that. You go out, these things are going to happen to you, but you've got the Holy Spirit with you, and I'm coming right after you. All right, Jesus is coming too. (laughs) And he promises to be with us, as we pointed out last week. And he is with us now. Stay focused on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, we're even exhorted to do that. Keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is our ultimate example. And now I'm going to go into the conclusion. I'm going to wrap this up. In verses 24 and 25, here at the end of this passage, we read, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, or Beelzebul in here, another name for Satan, Jesus is saying, if they're going to call me Satan, they're going to persecute me, the king of kings. They have the audacity to persecute me. Are you kidding? You think they won't persecute you? You're sheep. Yeah, they're going to persecute you. How much more will they malign those of his household? Hebrews 4, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. (laughs) You're going, yeah, in the face of persecution, I'm pretty weak. I don't like to be laughed at. I don't like to be rejected. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin... Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus is our ultimate example and role model. He said, just watch how I did. I'm being persecuted. He was persecuted unto death. And he's saying, it's gonna happen to you. You will be persecuted as well. He endured the cross. He was endured being, I mean, this, the, the picture of the whole, the passion of Christ as we call it, is really ridiculous. It's so wrong that his own creation had the audacity to, to, to whip him and put him on trial and put that crown of thorns on him. And to take him and and condemn him to death on a cross. The audacity to do that. When we talk about it is unjust. When we talk about being sheep among wolves, the playing field is not level. When Jesus underwent what he underwent, submitted himself to mankind, it is not just. It is ridiculous. The playing field was not level. He could have changed it in an instant. But for your salvation and mine and having a relationship with us through the blood, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he did it. He took it. That we might be saved. And when you undergo persecution, as light as you think it may be, 
or as hard as it may be, God is at work in it. God is shining his light in through you in that moment. Oh, when people torment and when they bully, they are not happy themselves. And they are watching. They are watching your reaction when you are persecuted. They know when they're persecuting. They know it. And they're watching for your reaction. You find out, they find out you're a Christian and they begin to poke, don't they? They start to poke. What is a real Christian? What is a Christian really like? When persecution happens, God is at work. Jesus said, it's going to happen. But he says, I'll be with you. He's got the Holy Spirit, give you the words to say. You'll be saved in the end. But in the midst of it, God is at work redeeming people unto himself for his glory.